Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hey, hello everyone. Great to see you. A little hesitation there. Hey, I'm Pastor Rob. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome those who are joining us online as well as our Muskego campus and our Waterford campus. And just say, you know what? I hope it's just great to be here together today. I'm going to start off with maybe a simple but not so simple question. What are you afraid of? You know, a lot of times when we're asked that question, it either means that we're right in the midst of or are just, you know, on the tail end of a dare. Like, uh, I found myself standing on the side of a bridge, looking down about 20 feet, being encouraged to jump into the water. You might say, what were you doing on the side of a bridge? Well, you know, I had gone on a whitewater rafting trip, and we hadn't even gotten to the camp when one of our team members, encouraged by the, the guides, said, hey, let's add another item to our, to our trip here. Let's jump off the bridge into the water. I'm like, okay, so... We pull the van over, you know, and we're all getting ready, and some had already gone out on the ledge even. And somebody else is like, I'll watch for the cars going by, okay? Make sure no one's coming. That began to get wheels turned in my head like, you know what, is this even legal? And I asked that question, to which I got a response basically, well, we've never asked anyone's permission before. And I was supposed to be the responsible adult on the trip. So that kind of made me a little more leery, but you know what, it's like, hey, we're doing whitewater rafting. Come on, this can't be all that bad. Let's just do it. So came to my turn, you know. And I, I like heights, but I don't like dying. And so, you know, there's this, there's this thing going on inside of me. And so I'm getting ready to jump when the guide says, hey, one more instruction. Don't jump too far to the left. And I just froze. Because I couldn't figure out how far is too far. That's not real specific, you know. He goes, there's some big rocks under there, so just stay away from them. And I'm like, but they're under the water. I can't see under the water. And so the fear began to sink in. It's like I had this fear of, you know what, am I going to hit a rock? I had this fear of, and I was just a mediocre swimmer, so it's like, you know, am I going to hit the bottom? Am I going to come back up to the surface? You know, all those things going through my head, and I'm like, no, I just need to jump. And so I jumped. It was a thrill. It was fun. It was like exciting. But I was scared. I was. So I want to ask you, and I want you to take this seriously. What are you afraid of? What is it that you personally are afraid of? And I want you to think about some of those things. And I'm not throwing it out there as a dare, but I'm throwing it out there to get us started thinking about those things that we are afraid of to help us to get on the other side of them. You know what it's like, right? Fear of failure, maybe, is something. Maybe it's a fear of loss, whether it be relational or financial. Maybe you have experienced this year, in and of itself, fear of the impact that COVID might have on your kids. I have a fear that there's kids who have their driver's license now and they never took a test. Anybody else? Like, man, there's people doing stuff they shouldn't be doing right now. You know? I've talked to people who are in the medical field going to school for it, and they're not able to do some of the things. I'm like, I hope none of them do any surgery on me anytime soon. That's for sure. 
There's some valid fears, though, right? Maybe it's a fear of losing our freedoms. That one's become a little more real this last week, hasn't it? Anybody else have this one, thinking this way? I've got this fear that we got way too many people turning to violence as an answer to problems. We got a real good look at that this last week, didn't we? And it's a healthy reminder that without God, we do have something to fear. But with God, we have nothing to fear. And we need that healthy reminder. But a lot of times we think that, well, you know what, I just, I won't ever be afraid. I'll just stop being afraid. If it were only that easy, that would be beautiful. It, it would be. But we have this pre-programmed response, at least I do, when I hear that term, what are you afraid of? I was taught to basically have one answer. I'm not afraid of anything. Did you have that pre-programming too? Especially guys, it seems like, you know? That's the manly thing, to not be afraid of anything. But women, you're not off the hook either. You've been taught to be independent, to be, to be fearless, is to be strong. And so we tend to think the answer is just to never, ever be afraid. Well, each of these fears I list off, they've been realities in my life at some point just this last year. Have you ever noticed, though, there are some people that seem to have it all together. They're courageous. They, they talk courageous. They look courageous a lot of times. And they definitely do some really courageous things. And when I see them, I begin to think they are never, ever afraid. There's nothing that could shake them. And I found out it's not true. There's a guy by the name of Nelson Mandela. And either you learned about him in history or, you know what, you heard about the things that, that he did while they were happening even. But Nelson Mandela led a revolution in South Africa against the government because the government had sanctioned segregation, saying it's okay to be segregated. And he was like, we need to change this. And he stood up to do that. It was called apartheid. And to change South Africa... And in doing so, there was a lot of cost. But it would be easy to sit back and say, wow, he is a great man of courage and he's never afraid. The first part's true. He's a great man of courage. The second part is not. And you might say, how can you say that? I didn't. He did. Look at what he says about fear and about courage. He says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. We have to be reminded of that. Go back a little bit further in history. Go back to the Bible and begin to think about different people in the Bible that you found to be fearless, you know? Um, right away, my mind goes to a guy by the name of Samson, you know, the, the physical specimen of just what, what, what fearlessness would be like if it came out physically. A woman named Esther who needed to save all of her people who were headed for death and even put her own life on the line in order to change that, to stand up to those who were going to kill them. But my favorite, and the one that stands out most to me, is a guy by the name of David. Yeah, David and Goliath David. I just look at him and say he was never afraid of anything. There's no way. In fact, it almost is like, well, it'd be a little disappointing if he proved me wrong. David was a real person. 
Sometimes when you hear David and Goliath, you think, well, that's fictional. It's not fictional. He's a real person who lived about a thousand years before Jesus did. And yes, he went up against a giant. And we'll see in his life that fear was a fluid thing. Courage was a fluid thing. And you know what? In your life and my life, it's the same. It comes and goes. Because David was able to kill Goliath without a sweat even. With no fear seemingly at all. Fear's never mentioned in the conversation. And he does some really wild things even at that point. Which can again lead us to believe that he never feared anything. But there was a time also when David committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And she got pregnant, and he was afraid that somebody would find out. And he was so afraid that when he couldn't get her own husband to sleep with her to cover up the pregnancy, he had him killed because he was afraid. He was afraid what others might find out and what others might think because, you see, fear is something that comes and goes in us. But that's not where I'm going to go right now. I'm going to take you to one passage, and then I'll take us to the one that proves out his courage because David will help us to see how do we go from I am afraid to I am not afraid. How do we take a journey through courage? Let me ask you, if you would, to take your Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 56. It's one of the easiest books in the Bible to find. If you have a physical Bible, just go halfway there, and you'll find Psalm usually because it's the longest book in the Bible. Otherwise, you might be like Psalm. Is that with an S? Yeah, but S is after the P, so look up P-S, okay? A-A. A-L-M is what you'll find, Psalm chapter 56. But I want you to turn to this passage because I want you to see this for yourself, what happens here and what David admits to and what he speaks to. In Psalm 56, before he even starts with the psalm, what you'll find is in italics in a lot of Bibles, a description giving you a little background into who wrote it, and it's David, and to what circumstances were going on in their life when they wrote it. And for him, it tells us that he had been captured or seized by the Philistines, his enemies, in a place called Gath. So that's the circumstances. He had been taken by his enemies, and this is what he says. You'll find that David is real and he's raw when he writes a psalm. Sometimes when you read a psalm of David, you're going to scratch your head and say, wow, I can't believe God put that one in here, you know? It's like, oh my. He says this in verse 1. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. Now listen to these next words here. Maybe even read them with me. When I am afraid. Did you catch that? David said he was afraid. He said, when I am afraid, but he doesn't stop there. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Notice, as I mentioned, David says, when I am afraid, not if I am afraid. Because that's what it is. It's when I am afraid, not if I am afraid. You see, this is a young man who did some pretty amazing things, including killing a giant to save his people and to keep him and stop him from mocking God. He did that, and he did some many, many other amazing things. He's the same man who was a warrior for Israel. He's the same man who became the king of Israel as well. He was very, very courageous, and yet he also was afraid. And we learn a lot through what he says here. 
And one of the things we learn is this. We need to admit to our own fears. It's okay. And in fact, it's good if we will admit to our fear. When we deny it, it becomes a problem. And again, we're taught that. We're taught in several ways that we shouldn't admit to our fears. And we need to be able to understand that, no, it's okay, and it's good. We're taught that fear is a sign of weakness, that fear is a sign of cowardice. We're even taught that fear is disobedience to God. Because you know God says not to fear, right? And he doesn't just say it once between do not fear, do not be afraid, be of good courage. You're going to see hundreds of times where God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because he knew we have this propensity to fear. We do. But we're going to have to admit to it first and not just say, oh, that's not really what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not really afraid. I don't really have any fears at all. We need to admit to them. David would show great courage when fighting Goliath, but it's a different story here. You see, his circumstances would have brought any of us and all of us to fear. And I want to paint those circumstances a little bit for you. We'll see the fuller story in 1 Samuel 21. I'm not going to have you turn there right now. But I'd encourage you sometime this week to go to 1 Samuel 21 and read the story of David at Gath. You see, here's what's happening. Like I said, let me paint a little of the picture for you. So David had been anointed and promised by God to be the next king of Israel. There was already an existing king. In fact, the first king ever of Israel. David would be the second. And so he sent a prophet named Samuel to go and anoint him, which simply means he needed to pour oil over his head after asking God, is this the right one? Is this the right one? Is this the right one? And finally God said, that's the one right there. And so Samuel poured oil on his head and told him that God promised that he'll be the next king of Israel. That's very important. That'll take a whole lot of fear away, right? Especially if you haven't become king yet. It can also create a great fear because of the responsibility. But what that does is it angers the present king named Saul. In fact, there were people who were going around saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands because David was a greater warrior than King Saul was. And so Saul got jealous, and in his jealousy, he tried at least on two occasions to kill David himself by throwing a javelin at him. And then he sent his men to go hunt him down. And so David was on the run. And he ran to the place where he knew Saul would not go to find him. But you ever notice that when we fear, we don't think straight, do we? When you're afraid, you do some things that are not very smart. So David goes, and he figures out he doesn't have anyone with him. His friends aren't with him. His family are not with him. It's just him. And he realizes he left his sword behind, so he needs a sword. So he goes to this place called Nob, which is still in Israel, and he says, hey, you got any swords? He goes, yeah, I have one. Yeah, you know when you killed Goliath? It's Goliath's sword. Okay, I'll take that one. And then he runs to a city called Gath. Do you know where Goliath grew up and lived? In a place called Gath. So David finds himself in Goliath's 
hometown with Goliath's sword hanging from his side just in case one of Goliath's friends or family members needed a reminder of what David had done to him. I don't think that's too wise, do you? Anybody else feeling the fear kind of come up? I'm afraid for him. It's like, this guy's going to die. They're going to kill him. He's all by himself. They probably forgot, you know, how talented he was with a, with a stone and a sling, you know? And come on, you know what? Thousands on one, uh, we, we think we know who would win that battle. And that's when David writes, when I am afraid, when I am afraid, because he was afraid. And we would all be afraid in those types of circumstances. We get the picture. So what are you afraid of? Are you willing to admit it? Are you? I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid that I'm not going to be able to talk to my parents again face to face. That I'm going to have to continue to talk to them through a computer screen or over a telephone. A little bit of fear there. They're both at points in their life that I don't know how much longer they have on this earth. A little bit concerned. That's a cop-out word for fear, code word for fear, right? A little bit concerned for our nation and how divided it is. How easy we get upset at each other. And how we say we need unity, but we don't lead in that unity like we should at times. A little bit afraid of that. Honestly, how about you? Don't take mine. Come up with your own. But are you willing to admit? Is there anything that causes you fear? We're not to stay there. David did not stay there. But admitting to it is the first step before we can move on and we need to move on. So where do we go after we've figured out this is my fear? We've even named it. We put it out there. We can see it. We quickly need to go where David went. You see, David goes from when I am afraid to I am not afraid. And he does it quickly. If we go back to verses 3 and 4, we'll see that in Psalm 56. I love this. It's not like David wrote the verse numbers in here, but it's just great how it comes between 3 and 4. That quickly. He says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and am not afraid. Did you see how he bookended that? He said, when I am afraid, I am not afraid. And there are a few words in between there, sandwiched in between. Did you catch a key word there? Did you see it? Trust is sandwiched between when I am afraid and I am not afraid. Because we need to trust Trust is going to be key. Trust is going to be something that every single one of us needs. And so he purposely sandwiched it in between. We need to affirm our trust in God. Because the journey out of fear into courage is through trust. It's through trust. We have to go through the trust. Every time we fear, we have this opportunity to place our trust in someone, in this case, God. In someone who's bigger than our circumstances. Every time, every time we're afraid, we have that opportunity to place our trust in someone bigger than our circumstances. And we need to. I need that reminder. Because I can't tell you how many times I go through a day trusting myself 
me, myself, and I, and that's it. And I need that reminder, there are circumstances that are greater than what I can control, and I need your help, God, and I'm going to place my trust in you. So David had a fear of harm from others. He did. Rightfully so, wouldn't you agree? He's in enemy territory. He doesn't know if he's going to live through it. He has no idea. But what he does is he comes back and he tells us what he does. He says he puts his trust in God's word. His promise is what he's talking about. So what he's saying is this. His prayers weren't some superficial, you know, let me get through this and get this done type of prayers. His prayers were very specific. That's why the psalm is very specific as well. You see, David had a fear of his enemies. He had a fear of people. He had a fear of people taking his life. Now, it's really easy for me to sit back and say, what are you afraid of? You're not even king yet. So what that means is they can't kill you, or even if they do kill you, God will raise you from the dead, one or the other. But would you be thinking that? No, you wouldn't. And so you'd have to say, God, I trust you. And this is how he does it. Notice how he ends the verse. What can mere mortals do to me? Wow. Do you trust God? Do you trust him to that extent? Would you say, God, I trust you? Really, would you say that? Would you say it with me? Because we need to affirm it. I don't care if you have even a slight bit of doubt. Affirm that trust. Let him know. Would you with me right now? God, I trust you. Let's do it one more time. God, I trust you. Will you give your fear to him? And will you trust in him? Because he's bigger than your circumstances. Whatever they may be, he knows what he's doing. He knows where he's leading. He knows where he wants us to go. What are those fears? How do you put your trust in God? Like I said, David did it by putting his trust in God's word. He knew the promises of God. When you have a fear, this is what I want to ask you to do. Would you find a promise that deals with that fear? Something like this. Do you fear losing your job? Do you? Do you know what God promises? He promises in Philippians 4.19 that he will supply all your needs, even if you lose your job. Do you believe that? Will you trust him? Do you fear? Do you fear loss loss of freedom loss of health maybe loss of friendships god promises that he will overcome our troubles he promises that he says in this world you will have trouble but i will overcome i can overcome and i will overcome that and i will help you overcome it as well he does that in john chapter 16 verse number 33 this one might be a little bit harder do you fear death? Jesus promises eternal life. He promises it. John chapter 11, verse 25 through 26. I want you to see this. He's having a conversation with someone when he shares this, and he promises this eternal life. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Do we have that? 
If not, I'll just read it here. Okay. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So he said, they'll die. Okay? But they're going to live. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Some of you got caught off guard there, right? Kind of like me. Never die. Hmm. Hmm. How come that seems like a 100% track record right now going? Because he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about where you're going to spend eternity. And every one of us is going to spend eternity somewhere. And can you imagine that if you're fearing because you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, how in the world are you going to have fulfillment in this life if you haven't had that taken care of? If you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, that fear is going to eat away at this life. You're not going to have a fulfilling life if you're constantly wondering, God, am I going to be in heaven with you someday? I want you to consider that if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. That's a fear that you don't need to live with because God promises that he will give eternal life to anyone and everyone who trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior and believes that he died for them. And that's what he wants for every single one of us. Yet it tends to be one of the greatest fears that we as human beings struggle with. Don't continue to stare at your problems. Look to the one who has the ability to overcome your problems. As Pastor Guy mentioned last week, that trust is actually when we keep our focus, our eyes on Jesus. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he lost trust in Jesus and tried to find it in his circumstances, and it wasn't there, and it could not be found until he put his eyes back on Jesus and focused on him. That's the type of trust that God wants us to have, every single one of us. Well, that's easy, right? When the pastor gives you the verses right up on the screen, what do you do? What do you do? How do you find a promise of God? How do you do that? I'm going to give you a simple tool, okay? You've heard us talk about it before. If you have a smartphone, go ahead, take it out, would you? All right? You want to find a promise of God, it's as simple as this. If you take the YouVersion Bible app, the Bible app, and you download it on your phone, guess what? There's this little icon at the bottom of it that looks like a magnifying glass. If you tap on that, you can find the promises of God. Do you know how? Just type one in. Let's say you want to find out about courage. Go ahead, type in courage. You know what's going to come up? Multiple verses about courage. This is a really good one. First one that comes up on my phone. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 9, says this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you need that promise? I do. He's going to be with us wherever we go. And so he says, I want you to know my promises because I want you to switch out the promises. I want you to trust in me and not in your circumstances. After we've admitted to our fears, after we've affirmed our trust, it's time to remember God's faithfulness. You see, through all the difficulties of 2020, it's real easy to forget that God's been faithful, isn't it? 
How many of you were in that spot of, man, I just can't wait till 2020 gets over with, man. Let's just get it behind us and let's move on. And then seven days in, you're like, man, let's go to 2022, okay? Let's just skip 2021. And we forget that God's working. And we forget that God was faithful. And he's still faithful. You see, what God gave it through the battles was that he saw God's faithfulness. He killed a giant because of God's faithfulness. I know that because of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to read the story to you. Most of us have probably heard it. Maybe it's brand new to you. I'll fill in a little bit of the commentary and the color, but not much because it speaks for itself. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. It's a nine and a half foot tall giant he's talking about. David is a teenager. So it's like a freshman in high school going up against a nine and a half foot Navy SEAL. Who's gonna win that battle? Who's gonna win that battle? Not David, not by himself. He says, Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Isn't that interesting? It's like, what does that have to do with it? This is what it had to do with it. When a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. And catch this, because he has defiled the armies of the living God. He wasn't doing this for himself. He wasn't doing it because he was some stupid teenage kid who didn't know better. Listen to this. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, I love this last part, and the Lord be with you. I think in parentheses, he was probably saying, you're a dead man. Did you catch why David was not afraid? Because he had seen God's faithfulness He'd seen him spare his life, not just spare his life, but give him the strength in the past. Why would it be any different today? Why would it be any different today? And he's done the same for you. So we need to remember God's faithfulness. How many think God has shown himself faithful at least 20 times in 2020? Not 2021, 2020. Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. Could you name all 20 times? I couldn't because I forget. I forget God's faithfulness. So I want to encourage you, write it down. When I do remember is when I write it down, I happen to use a notebook and I try to do this every day and I write down how God has been faithful to me, how he's shown his promises to me and what those promises are as I'm reading through his word. I've seen some people who take, take little pieces of paper and they put it in a jar. It's a blessing jar. And then at the end of the year, they get those out and they read them so they're reminded of God's faithfulness. What are you going to do to remember God's faithfulness? Because we need to. Or we'll find ourselves being sucked into fear because we'll forget that our God is a faithful God, that our God has promises that he wants each and every one of us to be able to see. 
So if you're here today and you're a believer, will you commit to doing whatever you need to do to admit to your fear, to affirm your trust, even if it means waking up every day saying, God, I don't know what's gonna happen today, but I trust you, that is one thing I do know. And then what are you going to do to remember God's faithfulness to you? Write it down. Will you commit to that as a next step? In a moment as we pray, I'm gonna encourage you to do so, to let God know you're going on record with him that you're going to remember his faithfulness to you. If you're in a place where you've never even trusted God as your savior, at least not yet, do you realize Jesus died for you? That's faithfulness. Do you realize in dying for you, your sins have been forgiven? That's God's faithfulness. Because of God's faithfulness, you can receive the gift of eternal life and not have to fear where you're going to spend eternity. But it's a gift that he offers to you. In a moment, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ, that you do so today and commit your life to Jesus Christ today because we have a faithful God who loves us that much. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for showing your faithfulness to us. We pray that you would help us to see it. If you're here today with heads bowed, eyes closed, you'd say, I've never responded to God's love. I haven't trusted Jesus as my Savior, but I want to do so today. And so right now, I want you to know, God, that even though I have questions, even though I have doubts, Lord, that I'm trusting that Jesus came and he died for me when he shed his blood on that cross. It paid for my sin and I'm receiving that gift of eternal life right here right now today we pray these things in Jesus Christ's name amen we hope you were encouraged today subscribe to the Fox River podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube Facebook Instagram and Twitter and of course Make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.